Welcome to the Punch and Preacher Podcast, where we are spiritual, sophisticated, and savage as... Yeah! This is a family-friendly podcast! Join us every Tuesday as we release new episodes of life, leadership, and living the faith. If you like the podcast and you want to subscribe, do that. Follow the link, like the video. If you want even more to be part of the Punch and Preacher Podcast community, go to punchandpreacherpodcast.com. Find the link, submit your email, and if you don't like the podcast, just let me know, and we'll schedule a meeting right here. Have a good day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Punch and Preacher Podcast, episode number seven. We skipped last week because, you know, it's 4th of July. We release on Tuesdays. Two plus two equals four. There you go. So today, we have a controversial subject. I will probably irritate you today, and then we'll build you back up and probably irritate you again before we're done. But I want you to take today, and I want you to really think through some things. And what we're going to discuss today is the idea of self-care. What is it? How can it be bad? How can it be good? All the things with it. So in our world today, there is a word that is used a lot and often it is very necessary. Uh, narcissism is the word to be a narcissist, uh, to be someone who is narcissistic. We live in a narcissistic society that fuels narcissists and all the things, right? With the word narcissism comes selfishness. Now, with the idea of self-care, man, we can't even hop on any social media app without every three posts being someone having a self-care routine day or whatever else. What is self-care? Well, listen, I, I have a confession. I want to talk through some things with you guys today, and I want to explore this idea of self-care. There is a difference. Here's my theory. There is a difference between self-care and self-care with purpose. Self-care alone can be indulgent. It can fuel narcissistic tendencies. It can be very selfish in nature. Self-care with purpose is what we need. And what we want to do today is we want to isolate what these two mean, compare, contrast, do all the paradoxical stuff that we have to do, juxtapose them and every other big word that we could possibly find. What is the difference? So I'm going to go back just a little bit. Um, I've shared this with you guys online before, but I am looking to compete uh, in October, looking to have a master's level boxing class or boxing match um, coming up here in October. And so I have really had to change a lot of my own workout routines, diet, all the things. My routine has been blown up about 10 days ago ish. Um, I had an episode and it was, it was wild. So I will spend my mornings. Uh, I work out about five days a week. Usually do strength training in the morning, go about my business with work come back, do my boxing in the afternoon, it's a thing. Since I've accepted to do this fight and to do everything here, I've been running about two and a half miles a day, to come in, I lift, then work, then boxing, all the things. So I am really wrapping up my over 40-year-old body. <laughs> um, I'm working with this, and it's been kind of a journey, right? So 10 days ago, I'm in the gym, I do my two and a half miles in the morning, I come out, I go lift, lift hard, I go take a little bit of a haircut because, you know, self-care. Um, actually, it keeps the grays away. It's true. So I uh, I go and I get done with this. And I go in for workout number three, which is boxing. Friday mornings, I'll do everything back to back to back to back to back and, and, and just hit it. It's like almost a four-hour routine and workout. It's a lot of stuff to handle. So... I leave boxing and I'm all sorts of nasty and I'm in my truck and I'm feeling a little bit funny. I get home and I start to realize that like I can't feel my fingertips. My stomach is really upset. I think I'm going to pass out at any given moment and I kind of get through my day and my daughter was at church camp. So I hop back in the truck, you know, that's super safe, right? And I drive out to pick up my daughter and when I pick my daughter up, 
um, the nurse of the church camp is trying to talk to me. And she's like, man, you don't look good. So she starts asking me, like, what are you feeling? And I, I gave her my symptoms. And she's like, you're going into hypoglycemic shock. Your, your body cannot handle uh, you're not eating enough to keep your blood sugar at the right levels to go through the training that you're doing and gave me this whole lecture. Enter self-care. What is the difference between self-care and self-care with purpose, right? So how can I have balance with this? It's not just about pouring attention into myself and pushing the world away and being selfish with that. That's not what we're doing. That's not what self-care is. Listen, here's where I'm going with this. You need to take a break. You need to take a break. You you have to have routine and take a break. However, how do we do this right? Well, consider this. The first rule of first aid, the first rule of first aid is you protect yourself. So let's say hypothetically I'm, I'm on a hike and the person that I'm hiking with, man, they're injured. And as they're injured, they are just, I have to be the caregiver. I have to be the person who is taking them to safety. I'm, I'm getting them to where they can be healed. I'm getting them to where they can be helped by other people and whatever. Let's say you scoop uh, this person who is injured up and you walk along the way and something arises, some challenge, some circumstance, some obstruction in the path, whatever, fill in the blank, right? And one of the two of you are going to get injured again. Do you as the healthy person accept the injury so this person doesn't get injured further? Basic survival skills would say no if you're ever in this circumstance, which would be really weird if we're being honest. But if you're ever in this circumstance, you as the healthy person do everything you can in your power to maintain health and not be injured. And sometimes a person who's already injured takes another bump for the team and goes forward with it because you have to maintain awareness. You're taking care of yourself. Self-care is a literal survival instinct. Did you know? Self-care is biblical. Not only is it biblical, but it is absolutely profoundly biblical. Creation itself, like we're talking Genesis 1, discusses self-care. Not only does it discuss self-care, but this is like God, the author of all of creation, is taking a day for self-care. God, the infinite, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipowerful person of God, Yahweh, Elohim, El Shaddai, the most powerful you know, creator that we have here, right? He's taking time for self-care. You got day one of creation, day two of creation, day three of creation, four, five, six, seven, the Sabbath, the Sabbath. He's taking time for self-care. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God need to take time off? No, he's God. Pretty sure he's got this all worked out. However, he had self-care with purpose. The concept of the Sabbath the idea of taking day seven off is to regroup and it is to appreciate. It is for reflection. It is to regenerate. It is to prepare yourself so that you can go do this again. The onset of scripture and creation dictates that you were made literally to perform and to create, to be fruitful, to multiply, to build things, to, to do all that. You were also made to enjoy God's creation, to enjoy the world. Take time off, but do it with purpose. When I take time off, I'm preparing myself for what's next. I want you to understand something. Life is a story. Your life is a story. 
your life is a story with chapter breaks, which means this. You might be in a season right now that is different than the season you've already taken. It's true. You might be in a season of life right now that is different than where you were five years ago. That chapter expired. You flip the page. New chapter starts. You stop. You flip a page. New chapter starts. Your life is predicated by the chapters and the seasons by which you do it. In between seasons, take your time. You're in this routine of self-care so that we can better prepare ourselves for what's ahead. We can better prepare ourselves to go out and to perform. We have to be ready. You and I have limitations. We're not God, right? We have limitations. And he has set into motion this idea of self-care. This is as old school biblical as it can get when it goes back to creation itself. So we're the Punch and Preacher podcast here, right? You and I have had some faith talks before. We're going to have some more right now. Not only does Jesus himself take time off, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but what I want to discuss right now is this idea of Elijah. So in the Old Testament, there's some pretty wicked, awesome stories, right? You have stories of like Moses and the burning bush and, and Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and crossing the Red Sea. Man, there's some cool stuff. There is a story in the book of Kings, 1 Kings 18 and 19. It's a little bit R-rated. <laughs> if you were ever to read it or make a movie about this, it would probably be beyond R-rated. It's almost as if Elijah is like the Bible's Deadpool. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, where he's just wicked wild killing everybody comedy style. Okay. Um, story goes like this. First Kings 18, Elijah goes up to Mount Carmel. And on Mount Carmel, there are two groups of people. One is about 450. One is about 400. And they are the, the prophets of Asherah and Baal which means they are servants of this this occultic uh, Asherah and Baal and, and how they're operating. So they have this idea to have a contest. I like contests. I like competitions. Elijah did too. So they have the idea, and their idea is the dogs are barking. <laughs> I'm going to let that one go for just a hot second. So the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah, you've got about 850 people against Elijah. And Elijah kind of has this, and, and I'm, I'm dead serious, right? If Deadpool was like a Bible character, it probably would be Elijah. He just has this like comical sense of humor where he's mocking everybody. And when you read this, not only in English, but when you read it in Hebrew, you really get this like deep sense of sarcasm. You have one dude, one dude with 850 people against him. And they have this idea for the contest. They want to take a bull. Each, each side gets a bull. No, it's gotta be it's gotta be your bull. If you stick your head up a bull, never mind. Watch Tommy Boy, you'll get that reference. They each take a bull and they decide, all right, listen, we're gonna put our bull on an altar. And we're gonna pray, we're gonna dance, we're gonna do all the ceremonial stuff, and whoever's God opens up the heavens, sends fire down from heaven and swallows up the bull, he lives, he's he's the powerful God. And if the other God doesn't do this, then clearly they're not powerful. So 850 guys. They get this bull, they put it up on an altar, they surround the altar with wood, they try to do all the rituals. Scripture says that they start cutting themselves, uh, which would be ritualistic, and that they cut themselves so much that blood began to flow down the mountainside. And nothing is happening. Now here's Elijah, the Deadpool of Scripture. Again, I, I like that reference, honestly. He's sitting back here and he's watching everything go down, and he starts saying these sayings to, to these guys. Now, Here's what's interesting is you've got to really have a good understanding of Hebrew to, to gather this. But essentially he's saying, where is your God? Maybe he's far off traveling. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's busy. 
stop there for a second. What he's actually saying in Hebrew is maybe your God is taking a dump. I'm dead serious. <laughs> it's what it is, right? This is the Deadpool of scripture. He's just watching us all go down and he's sarcastic and he's taunting them. And like, there's a crowd of people. So not only is there 850 people watching him, but also there's a crowd trying to see like whose God is the real God. Like this is a really big deal, right? So this, this whole moment's happening and it's overtly spiritual or really non-spiritual because there's not a lot happening at this moment. And as he's making fun of them, they're getting more incensed and they keep cutting themselves because that's smart. We're going to cut ourselves more. There's blood everywhere. It's nasty. And he's just watching them. So these guys are done. Time has expired. The bell has rung. And now here it's Elijah's turn. And he comes up and he's got his bull on an altar and it's surrounded with wood and everything else. And he says, hey, let me, let me, let me show you something here, right? I want you to take and dig a trench around the bowl. I want you to surround and fill that trench with water. So they do it. Now, I don't know if you're an expert at, we've talked about survival already here in this episode, but I don't know if you're a real expert with this stuff or how it all works, but here's what I want you to understand is that water, unless you live in Cleveland on the Erie, <laughs> water does not light on fire. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. Not a huge guy on the physics, but water doesn't, doesn't light on fire. I just want you to know that. So this is almost an impossible task. What Elijah does and what he asks for is nearly an impossible task. So he gets this. He's ready to go. They surround it with water. Brother calls up prayer number one. Heavens open up. Fire shoots down from heaven. Lights it up. And scripture literally says that it licks up the water. Like, how sarcastic hillbilly redneck is that where it's like, yeah, I watched that Elijah right there, man. It just licked up the water. It was crazy to see that happen. Uh, you just hear someone say that, but it's literally what how the Bible defines this, right? So here's the thing. Not only is Elijah now victorious and he's proven that his God is God and there's this huge spiritual victory and it's really, really cool. It's wisdom. It's precise. It's all the things. Now it gets better. This is where the Deadpool part comes in. Brother takes out his sword and just slays 850 prophets of Baal, wipes them out. Now you would probably imagine, and, and, and scripture alludes to, there's, there are others who are kind of backing Elijah up maybe from a military perspective. This brother wipes out 850 men, Deadpool style. He's sarcastic about it. He's crass. He don't care. He don't give a hoot for nothing. Brother just wipes them out. Blood everywhere. It's done. So you can imagine at this moment, this is like a major victory. Like this brother has won. He's good. He's tough. Wipes the blood off his sword. Sheaths it. Goes home old school style. Like this is where you get Old Testament wrath kind of stuff from, right? This is victory. This man is successful until this woman who I know you've heard of, her name is Jezebel. Jezebel hears about this because those 850 guys, they were her her men. They were her guys. She, We believe there were some sexual relations with them. They, she used them at her will. She is a very wicked queen of the north. Yeah, make whatever riches you want to have there, but she's a wicked queen of the north. She is totally controlling her husband. She's really ruling everything here. She's into a lot of dark stuff, and this is ugly. She says something. She says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, you are not dead. Here's the trick. She had the armies of Israel in the north. She had them at her command to slay this brother. Word gets back to Elijah that not only does Jezebel want you dead, but all the armies also want you dead. Brother, you're going to get wiped out. He hears this. Now, he's just had the greatest moment of his life. And now he flips the switch. 
in 180, that brother turns it around and he is scared to death. And he runs away. He gives up. He quits. I'm done. Walks out. No mas. No mas. The Bible says this, is that Elijah runs away and he hides under a tree. And here he is met by an angel. Now, you're Elijah. You've already seen some pretty wicked cool stuff. Like the brother saw fire from heaven and he killed 850 prophets of Baal. Like he's already done some pretty wicked stuff anyway, right? Here's the kicker though. This angel shows up and there's no spectacle. There's nothing really here. The angel cooks for him, which like angels cook. Can they make pizza? Can they do burgers? Can I get like a DoorDash from an angel? I'm just saying like, what's their food like? says that there's there's a type of bread that this angel brings. And the angel just says, hey, just, just eat. That's it. This is a really interesting part of the Bible because when angels are around in other parts of the Bible, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah level wrath, right? It's the, Jesus says, I watched Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's, it's Isaiah being before the throne of God and they got like six wings and all these eyes all over and there's weird stuff. You go to Revelation and it gets even weirder. Here, it's like, yeah, there's an angel. He, uh, he cooked. Cooked a meal for Elijah, fed him, and like that's it. Elijah takes a moment and he regroups. Self care. Biblical scholars will look at this, and uh, we do ask questions such as: Could this could this mean Elijah has some mental illness and something happened here? Could this be a story of biblical depression, of biblical mental health? I think there's a very good argument for this. It's a different story for a different day. Um, but at the end of the day, the angel takes time to just get Elijah regrouped. Physical stuff. Brother, take time off. You just had this huge moment. You are wiped out. You are physically drained. You are psychologically drained, mentally drained. You are spiritually drained. Elijah hit a point where there was nothing left to give and it was okay he didn't listen to his own boundaries he didn't tell anybody no he didn't tell anybody you know what man I, I got too much on my plate I can't do this I gotta stop he didn't tell anybody that he broke the rules he didn't take his Sabbath rest he didn't do his stuff he broke all the rules he's done and he paid the price for it so this angel shows up and he cooks some bread and he says, hey, I want you to go stand at such and such location and the presence of the Lord is going to pass by. So Elijah regroups, gets it together, kind of gets the cobwebs out. And he goes to this cave. The Bible says that a mighty windstorm comes by and it's just powerful and it's loud and there's spectacle, but that God is not in the storm. It's loud. You, you would think that God would want you know, the pomp and circumstance of a crowd, but, but this wasn't it. It says that a firestorm passes by. This firestorm is very wicked and it's just, it's, it's spectacle. But God was not in the storm. And then all of a sudden, it says that this still whisper comes through and it gets his attention. Now, through the whisper, here comes the voice of God. Why? Because Elijah took time for self-care, but self-care with purpose. He's not sitting there eating coals thinking, oh man, I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to regroup. He does what he has to do, 
so that he can regenerate. It's self-care with purpose. He does what he has to do so he can regenerate and go back at it. So God comes at him and he says, hey, here's, here's the mission that I got for you, right? This is what I want you to do. I want you to go to such and such location where you think you're alone and you're all sitting here pouty because you're overwhelmed and you're not taking time off. You're not overwhelmed. You're not taking time or you, you need to take time off. But there's like all these other people who were willing to help you. So you've now rested. Now go back out and go get him, Tiger. I got a guy named Elisha I want you to train. I have a people of Israel who have not defected kind of to the dark side. I've, I've got all these people who are still good. Go lead them. Go do your thing. Elijah, you've had your moment in the sun. You were victorious. Take your time off and rest. But rest with strategy. Rest with planning. Rest in a manner that allows you to go back out and to do the things that God has called you to do. Rest intentionally. Rest so that you can go out and fulfill your calling. Rest so that you can be the best dad in the world on the other side of that. Rest so that you can be this terrific mother who's just crushing it for your kids. Rest so that you can go to work and do the thing that you've been created with purpose to do. Rest so that you can go out and accomplish things you didn't know you could do. Rest so that the, the quietness and the tiredness and the fatigue is not eating at your soul, but that you can take time to appreciate what God has done for you. You can take time to appreciate where he's leading you next. Rest so that your next chapter in life is more exciting than the one that just closed. Rest so that in your next season, you're ready to harvest that which you planted and you've taken time in between. So you rest with strategy and go out and conquer the world. But you have to take care of yourself along the way. Survival 101, take care of yourself, but do so with purpose. So I guess we're going to rest from this podcast for another week. I will see you guys next Tuesday with episode eight. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Have a great day, guys. Welcome to the Punch and Preacher podcast, where we are spiritual, sophisticated, and savage as... Yeah! This is a family-friendly podcast. Join us every Tuesday as we release new episodes of life, leadership, and living the faith. If you like the podcast and you want to subscribe, do that. Follow the link. Like the video. If you want even more to be part of the Punch and Preacher podcast community, go to punchandpreacherpodcast.com. Find the link. Submit your email. And if you don't like the podcast, just let me know. And we'll schedule a meeting right here. Have a good day.